Welcome to Veracity Radio. In March 2002, U.S. and Pakistani officers captured a man commonly known as Abu Zubaydah. He was captured in Pakistan after a dramatic raid in which he was shot and seriously wounded. After the capture, Abu Zubaydah was rendered to Thailand and possibly other sites where he was subjected to a wide range of torture, not limited to the 83 times he was waterboarded. The U.S. government would hold him in black sites until he was transferred to Guantanamo in 2006. On September 6, 2006, U.S. President George Bush took to the airwaves in a press event to brag that they had captured a really bad guy and that he was giving us actionable intelligence. This was false on many levels, as evidenced by the walk-back claims of the U.S. government. Abu Zubaydah presented zero threat to the United States, nor was he ever involved in the targeting of the United States. He was not a member of Al-Qaeda and had no role in the 9-11 attacks. Bush's claims about him were more speechwriter Mark Thiessen's imagination than facts that withstand time and scrutiny. Those who continue to espouse the view that his torture was necessary are now out of line with the facts and the government case against him. The program used to torture him was reportedly designed by two men, James Mitchell and Bruce Jessen. The program attributed to Mitchell and Jessen was revealed a few years back, but no consequences for their participation has ever been rendered. Now, one of the torture program architects is facing pressure to strip him of his medical license in Texas. James Mitchell is facing a threat by the Texas board to strip him of his license for participation in the U.S. torture of Abu Zubaydah. On June 17, 2010, forensic psychologist Jim Cox of Texas filed a complaint to the Texas State Board of Examiners of Psychologists with support from attorney Professor Joseph Margulies and attorney Dickie Gregg. The complaint lays out the obligation for practicing professionals and a detailed look at the torture of the man we know as Abu Zubaydah. And on July 1st, the APA, the American Psychological Association, sent a letter to the Texas Board recommending action on Mitchell for these violations of his obligations as a doctor to follow medical ethics and standards and to do no harm. We'll keep you updated on the APA letter in the future. But first, I spoke with Jim Cox about the complaint and the responsibilities Mitchell has as a licensed professional. And then I spoke with Joseph Margulies about the case of Abu Zubaydah and the government's changing positions. We also have a reading of the entire complaint and an interview with Andy Worthington, noted blogger on detainee abuse, Guantanamo Bay, and other related topics. But first, Jim Cox and I discussed the complaint filed with the Texas Board. You're listening to Veracity Radio. We are talking with Jim Cox. We're talking about the complaint filed this week against James Mitchell. Uh, first off, it, about this complaint, uh, first off, welcome to the show, by the way. Welcome. Oh, thanks. And uh, this complaint, is it uh, about both of uh, the people, or is there only one? No, only Dr. Mitchell. Uh, he's, okay. uh, he's, he's the only one that's uh, licensed in the state of Texas that uh, our board has any authority over. What did you practice before this arrived in your uh, in your sphere? I'm a uh, full-time private practice uh, forensic psychologist. So I work uh, mostly in uh, court surroundings one way or another, usually with uh, either criminals or uh, 
younger folks who have gotten into trouble. I also do some uh, uh, consulting with several government agencies. And so uh, you're basically the expert we get to call in, right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm some of that, yeah. <laughs> and what are some of the types of cases that you were working on before um before I this, worked uh, on all kinds of things. All everything kinds of from, cases. Everything from juvenile to... Uh, Mental competency, etc.? Yeah, comp- competency to uh, proceed and to stand trial. Uh, I do some, I've done some death penalty mitigation. I've uh, worked on uh, quite a number of uh, just overt criminal cases, uh, dealing with uh, consulting with either <laughs> the prosecution uh, or the uh, defense, depending on the case. Uh, I have done both. And I also consult uh, with uh, the Social Security folks in uh, uh, an awful lot of uh, Social Security disability cases. Oh, okay. Very interesting. Now, when did the case of James Mitchell start arriving in your sphere? When, when did you first hear about this? Well, I've been hearing stuff about it for a good while. Uh, you know, articles pop up in newspapers uh, from various sources, uh, the APA, uh, had quite a furor over this and related issues uh, a year or so ago to the point that they uh, went back and uh, amended and clarified their uh, their ethical rules uh, to specifically make very clear that on this issue that there was uh, there's no ethical way that any of this could be done. So at least uh, as of that point in time, it, they they made it very clear. Now, there are many aspects of this uh, case that have become very public over the years. Mainly, people are aware that Abu Zubaydah was tortured via waterboarding. They uh, might be aware of some of the additional items that took place, you know, slinging him around by a strap and such into uh, what they call uh, what is a false wall. I've heard yeah. these things. But let's, let's look more into the area where you're going to be able to see um, the codes that this man violated. What ethical and legal obligations does he have when he becomes licensed? What changes for him that uh, uh, should not have allowed him to do this? Uh, well, there's a whole book of them. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's not just one or two. I don't have the book in front of me. Right, right. I can't actually quote to you from it. Okay. But, uh, the, uh, the basics of psychological ethics are to uh, uh, essentially not harm the people you're dealing with. Okay. Uh, and that that's the bottom line to uh, to be truthful, not harmful uh to operate within your sphere of practice and what you've been trained to do mm-hmm. uh and in terms of getting off into some of these research issues uh the uh application of anything that could be considered human research without approval by an ethics board is uh frankly uh overtly unethical you're I, i'm sure by now familiar with the p h r report yes. Uh, did you have anything? I am to do? indeed. Okay. They're calling it experimentation flatly. Flatly, yeah. We covered that two weeks ago, not with that uh, that group yet. We we're waiting to hear back from. Them. They got very busy suddenly, which is good. So, looking at their report, and uh, did you have information on this for this complaint before that report was filed? Um, actually, yeah. Okay. I mean, I, uh, I've, I've I've been looking at some of this information for quite a while, uh, for months at least. The PHR report. When we talked about it before. Um, discuss the difference between having someone who's there to provide uh, medical oversight and someone who's using this information to craft and change the policy. And the difference between the first one being an oversight and the second one basically amounting to experimentation. 
are there a few areas of uh, that uh, what in Ed Mitchell's actions that stand out to you as the biggest of the red flags? Well, I'm certainly not uh, ever going to pretend to be an attorney because I'm not. Okay, I'm not familiar with a lot of the legalities and some of these things, of course, because of they've, the way they've been obfuscated over the years, uh, are, are tied up in semantics and the legality of what specific words mean and all of that. And okay. that gets kind of confusing to, uh, to a little boy like me. Uh, well, I that's just, actually uh, one of the things we're very interested in focusing on is how language changes the, the acceptance rate. People oh, already, yeah. uh, we've already seen polls that showed that American populace would not accept uh, torture, but they will accept in, intense interrogation techniques, whatever that is. Whatever that um, is. So when I ask uh, interrogators what are in, enhanced interrogation techniques, professional interrogators like Matthew Alexander have said it's a non-thing. There's no such thing. And so he lobs it back into the court of torture very quickly. Now, yeah. the pu- public you know, will accept, again, uh, they'll accept the euphemistic language and go for it. And then they kind of change the polls when they go around to the other. So what are some of the areas where you saw this language uh, kind of fluffing the conversation where it was kind of hard to um, put your head around it? Well, uh, the issue of, uh, of of whether or not these folks had any right to be doing what they're doing based on any prior training gets a little confusing in, in the whole thing, too. Okay. Uh, and it all depends on what it is they're defined as doing. Uh, so, I mean, some of this is uh, some questions that I'm sure that are going to get battled out in, in legal surroundings. Mm-hmm. Uh I know our board is uh, here in Texas uh, has a lot of uh, legal assistants and uh, people that uh, they consult with on on the legalities of exactly what the uh, the Texas rules and regulations state. Uh, and I, I know that may be kind of a, a not particularly uh, exciting answer, but. Uh, it's going to boil down, at least in the state of Texas, mm-hmm. to a board of people looking at this and seeing if, within very specific regulations, they can find this guy uh, guilty of violation. And what would be the consequence if they did? He would lose his license in Texas? Well, he would be delicensed. Any yes. additional punitive measures could be followed? Uh, probably not. Okay. Uh, not in terms of... Uh, at least in that sphere. Yeah, not in that sphere. Okay. Uh, you know, there's... It, like I say, I'm no lawyer, but uh, boy, it sure looks like there might be tart actions out there. Well, we're going to bring on a lawyer in a little bit. We'll 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 let the uh, that side do their their thing. So sure. you first start getting this information. How did you get from that point to creating this complaint? Uh, what, what were the uh, steps to creating this complaint? Oh well, um, I, uh, I I chat with colleagues, and one of my colleagues uh, was. Uh, 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 a co-colleague of uh, one of the people who uh, is also the the co-complainer, uh, uh, Dickie Grigg. Okay. Uh, and uh, I got uh, in contact with him, and we talked a good bit. And uh, he said that uh, told me that uh, Joe Margulis, uh, who I think you're going to talk to, mm-hmm. uh, had uh, written a brief on the matter and had had a lot of it, uh, it documented uh, with. Uh, with the resources to back backing it up, and would I like to read it and the background material? And I said, sure. So uh, they sent that to me, and I read all of that, including hundreds of pages of background material. And uh, at that point in time, I got kind of so blown out that uh, 
I felt like I ought to try to do something. So uh, I got with them, and uh, we rewrote the, uh, the 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 story, the what was what amounted to what looked to me like a legal brief uh, mm-hmm. into the the format of a dialogue that could be put into the complaint, and uh, I unfiled it. Um, I'm, uh, I, I, I can tell you, as I read it for the very first time, I was totally shocked. Right. Even though I had some of this information already. Uh, and then uh, I started going back to some of the original source material just to check and make sure this stuff was really there, and it is really there. Uh, it's all been documented for years. Right. It's just no one did anything. Maybe they didn't think there was anything they could do, but... Uh, or they accepted it. There's something we can do. We can try, anyway. Well, and that's the point of uh, one of the things we're doing is I've asked many officials along the way, including uh, people who have in, uh, prosecutor experience and such, how, how do we as citizens, how do we restore the moral order of our country if our, and I don't like to use the word leaders, but that's what they are, if Eric Holder won't do it, if Barack Obama isn't going to do it, if the Congress isn't going to do it, there must be some measures we can do um, on, on certain levels. One of the primary accusations against Mitchell for this complaint is that he misrepresented his qualifications and basically extended himself beyond his expertise. Is that correct? That's uh, that's my take on it. I okay. don't know how you how you become a psychologist and then gather expertise in torture. What was his expertise aside from this? What what was he focused on uh, in he his had worked writings in the and such? Program. Uh, um, whatever his name is, I, you know, I'm losing it right now, but uh, where they, uh, they, they try to, to build techniques to help uh, American servicemen and others who might be captured. The Sears to, School. Uh, to, yeah, the Sears School, right. to, to harden them. Right. Uh, but uh, it, uh, I, I've taken a look at a good bit of that, and hardening techniques, they don't, they don't do the same stuff. Right. Uh, they, you can't uh, deconstruct them backwards into ways to uh, improve torture. Right. It 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 just doesn't work that way. And I, I mean, I'm I have some scientific training, and I've tried to figure out how you could uh, devise some actual experiments to uh, to to elucidate that, and I don't think you can. And what what in your experience, what are the effects of things like um, say sleep deprivation? Uh, do we have before the modern torture regime, if you will, do we have uh, a substantial knowledge on the effects of sleep deprivation on the human being? There's a rather huge body of knowledge on ah, sleep okay. deprivation. Uh, sleep problems are one of the uh, most commonly uh, dealt with, diagnosed, and treated problems in at least American society, and probably in all of Western society. Mm. Uh, Sleep difficulties cause all kinds of problems. They call, cause physical problems. They cause uh, uh, severe mental mental health unhingement if it goes if it gets bad enough. Uh, deprivation of sleep for days on end causes people to become uh, markedly depressed, to hallucinate, to uh, have all sorts of uh, psychotic episodes and. Uh, difficulties that go way beyond anything that uh, you would think of of just being sleepy. When I was uh, 20 years younger, I would try to push myself to see how far can I go, and I might get about 36 hours, and then I'm just shot. My brain would hurt, and I'd go to sleep. What physiologically changes in in the brain? Uh, Things like uh, dopamine counts and and such? Oh, everything gets out of of whack. whack. 
uh, pretty quickly. Uh, there's all sorts of feed chemicals that flush the system, uh, all kinds of uh, um, hormones that uh, that signal physical distress are uh, floating around in your body after, like particularly after three or four days of being awake. And your body is constantly trying to repair itself. So almost everything in the paradigm of, of changes comes with your body trying to save itself, correct? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, and uh, the, the, men, the mental health aspects of it are probably among the most profound uh, when you get into real sleep deprivation. Well, considering the fact that this whole program was supposedly designed to elicit information, what would be the um, – just, again, you're not a lawyer but or even an intel officer – but just as a psychologist, what would you say would be the quality of the ability of a person? What would be the quality of the information coming out of them after uh, the 72nd hour, maybe? I suspect they would tell you anything that they thought you might believe. Uh-huh. And uh, even it, would they be coherent to enough to decide that? Well, it depends on how long, but okay. uh, at some point, no. Yeah. Uh, they just start spouting gibberish. And uh, my understanding is that's often what happens. Do you know the length of time at which, in the most extreme cases, we kept people awake? I don't recall. Uh, I think it's something like 11 days, but I'm not, Jesus. I'm not sure. <sighs> what, what would happen to a person after uh, even the sixth or seventh day? Um, What's the worst? Well, I, I don't really know. Uh, my understanding is you could end up with a situation of, of permanent damage to an individual doing it. Including uh, other vital organs, not just the brain? Oh, yeah, kidney heart, failure. Heart failure? Possibly, yeah. Uh, we've heard uh, in the last couple of years, we've heard of people who play video games in Korea too long or in Japan too long and die of heart failure after being at the I've, machine. I've for... heard of some of them. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not real sure, but uh, so, maybe. Yeah, I can't imagine someone being up 11 days. Also, in the case of uh, the PHR report, and uh, I, did, I hadn't really seen it elsewhere before that, but they were experimenting with what they were feeding these people in order so that when they waterboarded, they wouldn't basically choke on their own vomit because there wouldn't be any vomit. It would be just light fluid. And, you know, these are, uh, these are other areas. Is that a, a science that has already been around or is this? It probably off? is. It's not one I'm uh, particularly familiar with, but uh, the new psycho nutrition and uh, general nutrition are, I know are fields of study. And there are people who uh, have knowledge in it. Um, I'm not sure that it's nearly as well developed in terms of uh, the specifics of, like, psychonutrition. But right. uh, uh, there are people who are working on it. How often, in your, in your experience, does the government uh, hire psychologists to do... It's hard to say this type of thing because this is so such an anomaly. But before the last eight years or so, ten years, uh, how often would the government uh, hire people like you to do research into basically the limitations of human beings? Well, I, I, I actually can't tell you much about it. Uh, oh, mostly, okay. uh, at least in the past, it has not been something that uh, the government allowed to be published. But uh, the, my understanding of a lot of it is that uh, it was done uh, through through military uh, facilities. And, uh, and through military doctors? Yeah, military doctors, military facilities, and uh, using recruits as uh, experimental uh, subjects. And I know there has been quite a lot of that over the past, not just the past eight or ten years, but for many, many years. Everything from, uh, well, syphilis research to uh, to uh, LSD and, and 
hallucinogenics. Right, the CIA pulled some of that yeah. stuff off in the uh, in the old days. Yeah, and it's you know I don't think it's probably ever stopped. I mean, there's a certain amount of it that's probably necessary. Uh, but uh, and but it would I'm be sure a volunteer that, basis. There's a huge difference between me. Volunteering I would think so. And, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm not sure very many people volunteered to be waterboarded a hundred <laughs> and some odd times. So uh, that doesn't sound <laughs> like something right. you get very many people uh, saying, "Hey, take me." Well, now also um, one of the things that came out in the um, in the response from some of the former SEER folks, including Malcolm Nance, is that. When we do this to soldiers, we, we actually run up against a wide range of limits that were uh, put in place with observing doctors at the time in order to make sure that we didn't break the, uh, the soldier we're training because once they learned a defeatist – or once they learned they could be broken, that was it. That pretty much ruined the, uh, the candidate. They wanted them not to ever get that feeling of, I've lost – and so the the metaphor I use with Malcolm, he had a better metaphor than I think uh, I think in a way with this. But I said, uh, look, I'm a kung fu pr- a practitioner. My teacher, if he did this without my cooperation, would be arrested for assault. <laughs> it's real simple. He beats the piss out of me, but uh, he does it because I say, okay, you can do this in order to make me better. And then he proceeds to beat the piss out of me. <laughs> I know the feeling. I, I do taekwondo. <laughs> okay, there you go. So. Um, so that volunteer training, when you go in, you're 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 volunteering. Your mind is a, a, in tune with what's happening. And then when you're, do you have any research, for instance, in the psychology of captives? I don't specifically myself. Okay. Uh, I know that uh, there has been research done over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've seen several uh, book titles on the subject, but okay. uh, I, uh, I not something that has been within my uh, field of practice. So I don't know a whole lot about it. One big final question here then is, if the board did not react to these to this man or in general these two men, if the community at large of practitioners did not react, what does this do for future doctors? Um, well, I, I think it throws some real problems in our way, uh, not just for future doctors, but for doctors right now. Could any doctor reference this as a precedent if, if, for instance, if they didn't act upon it? Could a doctor who, let's say, they had a degree in uh, their practice was podiatry, and they suddenly decided, you know what, I can make more money being a cosmetic surgeon. And so they start practicing cosmetic surgery, even though they were not trained to do so. Would they be able to refer to this as a precedent if, if the board didn't act? Well, I don't know. That, that seems Is that extreme? Little, uh, that, that's a bit of a stretch. Okay. Uh, however... Um, I think if, if somehow or another this board or some board doesn't do something fairly public about this, uh, it casts a, a shadow in the minds of uh, anybody that looks at psychology as a profession, either as people who come to us for help or as uh, new psychologists who might want to join the field. They're going to think less of what we do and what we are if we can't police ourselves better than this, this is just wrong. I would assume that those standards are uh, very well protected and, and very honored. Is that pretty much your sense? Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, most, uh, most uh, licensing boards of the states uh, that I've had anything to do with take their job uh, as uh protectors of the public from things that might happen due to psychologists very seriously. 
And, and if uh, someone that, those ethical standards are the, are the basis for which uh, from which they move, what they do, everything. If he lost his license here in Texas, how would that affect if he decided to try to get a license in another state? I know you don't speak for those states, but how does that trickle around? Well, I'm not sure he's not already licensed in another state. Okay. I'm not privy to that information. However, uh, if he's not, when he goes to attempt to get licensed in another state, and I believe this is true of all 50 states now. It didn't used to be, but it is now. Uh, you have to state uh, whether or not your license has uh, has been impinged or removed by another state. And uh, unless you've got an awfully good explanation, they're not going to license you either. And I'm licensed in a couple of states, so I know that those things... Uh, they, they communicate with each other. Right. Well, we look forward to seeing what this report will be. Have you seen any, um, have you seen any public reaction to this? Uh, what has been the media type? I've not type? received any immediate reaction uh, from our own board, so okay. I can only presume that the members themselves are aware that it's been received. Uh, I know that uh, the lady that uh, <laughs> I delivered it to assured me that they would uh, have copies of it pretty quickly. But uh, they're, they're not a, uh, a full-time professional board. You know, they have other jobs. And uh, so they meet like once a week. Uh, I'm not sure what their uh, next response is going to be, but I look forward to hearing it. And this was filed June 16, 2010. So uh, in essence, it's a, bit, a little about a week old. Right. It was okay. actually filed early the next morning. But uh, Okay. So... That's when they got it. Uh, so I'm waiting to hear if what kind of response comes out you know, from them as well. Well, we hope you'll come back as we hear more information on this. And uh, we will also be talking with Joe about the legal side of this and Abu Zabeda. But I want to thank you for joining us and um, hope you have a good weekend here in Texas. Well, thank and, you very uh, much. We'll, uh, uh, we'll do a follow-up. I hope you have a good conversation with Joe. Tell him I said hello.